You know, when John wrote this letter to this church, there was a lot going on in the world. There was a lot of things being thrown at them they were not prepared for. They didn't see coming. They thought it was one thing. It presented itself as one thing. But actually, it came at them as something very different. I want you to do me a favor and get ahead a little bit. Go ahead and take your Bibles. Turn to the book of 1 John chapter 3. We're going to start reading down in verse 24. If you've got your phone, you can go to the app store, North Star Church, Georgia. Go to our app. It's really the best way to follow because all the notes are in there, all the scriptures are in there. Everything's right there. If you've got your Bible, if you've got the app, or you're watching online and you type it on your computer, you probably got it over on your side screen because I think God's got some things to say to us that he said through John to this early church about deception because we truly do live in a world that you hear stuff all the time. You're like, I don't really know, as Larry said, I don't even know what to believe. I don't know what to make of that. So I don't know about you. I think we all had a collective heartbreak last week when our Braves came up a game short. Can I get a oh, oh, it was so sad. No like Dodgers. I no like the Dodgers. All right, and so, but it was a great series. But all throughout the NLCS and the and the World Series, they've been talking about pitching. So let, let's. I know, surprise, surprise, baseball illustration. All right, so pitching is an interesting thing because the goal of pitching is to not hit squarely the what the bat. Right, you end up being a pastor because I did not have that ability, all right? And so I had the ability as a pitcher. It was like I could find the sweet spot of any bat. It's amazing how I could do that. Um, but pitching is about the art of deception. It's really what pitching is. Don Sutton, the great Braves broadcaster, Hall of Fame pitcher with the Dodgers, said it this way. He said, hitting is timing. Pitching is destroying timing. How do you destroy timing? You deceive them. They think one pitch is coming when, in fact, a whole nother pitch comes and you get them out on their front foot and they ground out or they pop up. Deceiving. I want you to watch this, would you? Ian Anderson had a great game yesterday and I thought I'd break it down a little bit about what makes him so tough to hit. I know hitters have said that his over-the-top arm action is unique and they don't really prepare for that. Not a lot of pitchers pitch with kind of this iron mic release point. You can see it's almost straight over the top. Also, Anderson throws a four-seam changeup, which combined with that over-the-top arm action and the spin on his four-seam fastball makes it really tough for hitters to pick up. You can see here he's really gripping a four-seam fastball just with different fingers on it, using the middle finger instead of the two power fingers. Uh, here's his release. You can see how true that one is. He can manipulate the spin a little bit by positioning his middle finger in the middle of the ball or a little bit on the side of the ball. Here's a ridiculous overlay that shows you how hard it is to hit off Ian Anderson. This is a 95 mile an hour fastball that was fouled off and an 87 mile an hour changeup that was swung and missed at. You can see his mechanics are perfectly repeatable and the ball looks the exact same coming out of his hand. Uh, Seeger in this times both of those pitches as if they were a fastball. You can see he's pretty much on time for the fastball, and he is way early for that changeup. You see how that changeup is in front of his swing as he completes his swing. See, a hitter thinks it's one thing coming in, 
but it's a totally different thing. You have 400 milliseconds on a 90 mile an hour fastball to make a decision, is it coming hard or soft, right? 400 milliseconds, that's how fast it is. Literally the blink of an eye, the ball's on you. And you gotta make a decision. Pitching is deception. It's using the same thing. Oh, now, that was the only ball Corey Seager missed the whole series. But, but in that one, that one at bat, he missed it. Why? His timing was off. Listen to me. We live in a world of deception. We live in a world where God has a purpose for your life and scripture says there is an ultimate deceiver that has something for you too. And his job is to get you off God's best and that's what we're gonna talk about. First John chapter three, here we go. Would y'all stand with me? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't make that clear, did I? I was in, in the Braves broadcast. Here we go. First John chapter three, verse 24. John says it this way. Those who obey God's commandments they remain in fellowship with him, meaning as we walk with the Lord and we walk in step with the Lord, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him, meaning we walk with him. When we choose to disobey God's commandments, we choose, we choose not to walk with the Lord. Look at, look at what he goes on to say. And we know he lives in us because of the spirit he gave us lives in us. So time out real quick, little, little Bible lesson here, a little theology. The day that you ask Christ into your heart, the Holy Spirit left heaven and took up residence in your heart, right? Now here's what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. Jesus said to his disciples, there's one who's coming that's even greater than I. How in the world, why would he say that? Well, when Jesus was physically in the body, present on earth, and he was in Galilee, he was only in Galilee. He was not in Jerusalem, he was just in Galilee. Then he went to Jerusalem, he was not in Galilee anymore. He was a physical bodied picture of God on earth, but he was one, one place, one person. When he went back to heaven and the Holy Spirit came, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came, he lives in your heart. A believer in Haiti, a believer in the Dominican, a believer in Japan, or a believer in South Georgia, right? The Holy Spirit resides in all our hearts. The day you ask Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart and he wanted these believers to know, listen, that spirit that lives in me also lives in you. I don't have anything you don't have access to. Now let's go on to chapter four. Verse one, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Don't believe everybody. There are those that are gonna deceive you. You must test or prove them to be of the spirit that the spirit they have comes from God. They may speak by something that sounds a little like God, but it's like, I don't know if that really matches up. For there are many false prophets in the world. So even back during this time, Jesus, remember, he's left. There are people that have come claiming they know something you and I don't have access to. It was, a, it was about knowledge. They were called Gnostics. It was about knowledge. They, they have something you need. If you, file, if you found any cult that's ever existed, it always claims, that cult leader always claims they have extra knowledge you do not have access to. Therefore, you have to follow them. Everything you need to know to follow God is right here on this book. 
If there's ever a Sunday you come in and I'm up here going, hey, I've got some extra stuff for you to add on to the Bible. Nobody else has this but people at North Star. Are you in? All right, get out because I've lost my, I've lost my mind, right? That's not what scripture teaches. So what he was telling them was this. What you have is what you need because there's many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God. This is how we know. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God because they were saying Jesus was just a spirit. He wasn't really real, which means the resurrection wasn't real. If the resurrection wasn't real. So he said, here's, here's a way you can know. But look at what he goes on to say in verse three. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, you say the word Antichrist, everybody's like, ooh, I wonder who it is, right? And so here's what you need to know. From the time of Christ, there have been little a Antichrists that have come that have pointed people opposite Jesus. Will there be an ultimate Antichrist? I believe that scripture says so. But since the time of Jesus, there have been those false prophets that are teaching something that's contrary to what God has. And here's the crazy part. There's people in the world that'll follow anybody. Have y'all found that to be true? They'll follow anybody. You can put the craziest statement on Facebook today and somebody, one of your friends, will go, amen. You'll go, what? Right, and I mean, that's been going on for years. That's been going on for years. So he was telling them such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. All they're wanting to do is deceive you. They don't want you to know the truth. Let's keep reading. Which you heard, the Antichrist, is coming into the world. He's indeed, it's already, that spirit is already here. And ladies and gentlemen, that spirit will be here till the day that God says enough. That spirit will be here. Listen, we raise kids. How many of y'all have children? Raise your hand. How many of you are children? Raise your hand, all right? Deception's all, it was there when we were teenagers. It's there for teenagers now. It's just, it's there. Keep, Keep going. But you... This is an encouragement. You belong to God. My dear children, you've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Don't go, God, how are we gonna make it? You've got what you need to make it, all right? Now, we're just gonna lay this out because I know everybody's sort of new and we all have a little different biblical backgrounds. I have no more access to God than you do. I have no special dispensation you do not have. The Holy Spirit that lives in my heart is the same Holy Spirit that lives in your heart. I may walk with him more, I may know him better, but I don't have something you don't have, and that's what Paul, that's what John was telling him. There's gonna be a day John wasn't gonna be around to encourage them. So he wanted them to know, you can make it. You have already won the victory. You already know the final score. Let's keep reading. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. There are people that are of God that know Christ, and there's people of this world. That's what he's saying. And people of this world do not understand the things of God. They just don't. But we, you and I, belong to God. And those who know God, 
they listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. So what he was saying was, don't be discouraged when you share something with somebody that doesn't know the Lord and they don't listen because they don't know the Lord. Here's the deal, lost people act lost. They don't know the Lord. Don't expect something out of, you guys can be seated. Deception. You know, as we raised our kids, um, Casey and Mary Michael, both at the age of 18, went off to college, and our goal in parenting was to give them what they needed in those first 18 years to send them out, right? We bring them home from the hospital, and then the goal of parenting is to send them out as adults into the world. The goal is not for them to stay too much longer, right? So we to send them out in the world. Don't need videos in my basement. I need them to be sent out in the world. But when they got sent out in the world, I wanted them to have a grid to live with, right? When they're at college and they're at a party, I don't want them going, hey, I don't know if this is right or wrong. Let me go call my dad and have him run by and talk to us. That's probably not gonna happen, right? Or they're out on a date, they're trying to determine whatever they're trying to determine, they're not gonna call me. I wanted them to have a grid to live by. This that we're gonna talk about today is one of those things, no matter where you're at in your journey with the Lord, if you've been walking with the Lord for the past 35 years, or this is your first day after coming to know Christ, this is something you need. Principle number one, here's things that we need to ask ourselves when we're making decisions and we don't know what to do and we feel deceived. Number one, what does the Bible say about it? First, go to, what does the Bible say about it? First thing, what does the Bible say about it? Therefore, that means that we need to read the what? Bible, right? I think sometimes the Bible is our last resort, not our first go-to. I'll tell you this, I determine in the first five minutes of my day how much I'm gonna let God speak to me that day by this. Do I hear from the news, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook first, or do I hear from the Lord first? I will determine in the first five minutes of my day who I'm gonna listen to the most that day. You ever pull your phone off your nightstand and you read the morning headlines and then your day starts, you're like, God, I didn't even have time to talk to the Lord. No, it wasn't, I didn't have time to talk to the Lord. It was, I didn't listen to the Lord. Does that make sense to everybody? What does the Bible say about it? This book, this book is exactly what we need to know for life and godliness. It was true 200 years ago, and it's true now. It's not changing what does the Bible say about it? Look at what John said. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. Meaning, those that walk with the Lord walk with him. I, I see those commandments as guardrails, right? Guardrails are not put there for your detriment. They're put there for your benefit, right? You're on a mountain road. There's a big ravine. You're driving with a 15-year-old who doesn't understand the gas and the brake yet. You're thankful for guardrails. Or it was like the first time we pulled out of my neighborhood with my daughter. We'll never forget this. I saw life flash before my eyes. We get up to the stop sign. I said, take a left, and she did this. And I went, dear God, all right, please, just get us home. What are you doing? Keep your hands on the wheel, right? Those commandments are put in our lives to keep us moving forward. That's why we walk in step with him. Those who keep my commandments remain in fellowship with him 
and he with them. Second Timothy says it this way, all scripture, Paul told Timothy, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Can I tell you about this? You may have read this book through last year and you could start rereading it today and God will speak to you in a different way than he spoke to you last year if you read it. What does the Bible say to me? Here's why I like this. The news changes. Have we found that out to be true? The news changes. I mean, it's like, I mean, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., the news changes. This doesn't change. These lines that are drawn, they're not redrawn during the day. You know the thing I love about this? I don't have to be a scholar to understand it. Now, should you learn and grow? Absolutely. My granddad, Granddaddy Johnson, had a third grade education. But he walked with Jesus and read his Bible. He wasn't a scholar, but he was faithful. He lived it. He passed down a heritage in our family. See, what was happening during this time, they were saying, oh, if you, if you wanna know more, I've got knowledge you don't have. Everything I know is the same thing you can know. The question is, who chooses to wanna know the most? That's why we study, that's why we grow. What does the Bible say? That means I gotta, I gotta pick it up. When I've gone through hard times, there's a little books, they sell them in the uh, grocery store, promises when you go through suffering. And they'll have all these verses about anger, suffering, bitterness. Those are great. Keep it in your, keep it in your dash and you're going through a tough time. Go to God's word. What does the Bible say? So really we gotta ask, what, with what I'm going through, does the Bible speak to the issue? There are things you're gonna face in 2020 that are not mentioned in the Bible because that, what, that technology wasn't invented yet, and you're like, so I, I don't know what the Bible says about this. Then we go to the second thing. What is the Spirit doing in me or saying to me? When I reach one of those, it's not a black or white issue where I know this is, this is what God says and this is what the enemy says. Sometimes it's that great. What's the Spirit? So that Spirit lives in you. The Spirit has two jobs. I want you to write these things down, a little free information, right in that little box there online when you're, when you're typing in. The Spirit convicts us, right? And the Spirit convinces us. He convicts us. There's times we're doing something, you feel that little nudge in your spirit, like, mm, I don't need to be doing that. That's the, that's the Holy Spirit. You're about to make a choice, and you're like, I don't know, man. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit within you. God's never spoken to me audibly, but he has spoken to me through the Spirit. And it's that still, small voice. It's that tap on the shoulder, right? He convicts us and he convinces us. Sometimes it's that, yeah, you're walking in the right thing. And y'all talked about baptism. I, I feel like I need to be baptized. Or a few years ago, going on a mission trip. I'd never been out of the country on a mission trip. Marsha, our missions person, meets with me and she said, Mike, you know, you always do that sermon. It's one of my favorite sermons. You talk about leaving your yes on the table. I'm like, oh yeah, I love that story. She goes, is your yes on the table about going overseas on missions? And I'm like, Marsha, don't bring my sermons up against me. All right, and so this is not for you, none of your business. And God spoke to me through that. And, and one of the most enriching things in my life over the last nine years has been going to Haiti and going to the Dominican. 
One of the richest things in my life. Will the Holy Spirit use that conversation? So he convicts us and he convinces us, what is the Spirit doing in me? Look at what John said, 1 John 3, 24. And we know, you could circle that word know or say with certainty, he lives in us because the Spirit he gave lives in us. Some of you are college students right now and you're determining your career. You're making seven of the biggest choices you will ever make in life during those college years. Boy, you wanna be listening to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, do not stifle the Holy Spirit or quench the Holy Spirit. How do I quench the Holy Spirit? When he speaks, listen to me, and I say no. Because every time I say no, and God taps me on the shoulder and said, Mike, I think you need to do this, and I don't do it, my heart hardens. And here's the scary part. I can sit in a room like this and look the part, dress the part, sing the part, raise my hand, and my heart could be a million miles away from God because I'm not listening to what God said. I've quenched the Holy Spirit. He's come to me over and over and over, and I just say no and say no. And that's why in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews said, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart like those in the wilderness did years before. What is the Spirit saying or doing in me? Many times he brings peace about a decision. Many times he calls for boldness. Not every situation is the same. But you know, I have never met a person that sought God's word and sought for God to speak to them that ever regretted the decision they were about to make. But I've met plenty of people that didn't do either and lived a life of regrets. What is the Spirit speaking to me about? Well, Mike, I've never felt that before. Only because you've chosen not to if you're his child. If you said, I'm gonna start talking to the Lord every day and asking God to speak through his word to me, you will be shocked at how much he's speaking. God's never taken a day off. We have. Number three, what are godly believers saying to me? Now, there's a key word in this outline. What are, what's that word? Oh, we can say it better than that. Y'all got to sleep till 11. All right, what are what? Godly believers. Not your friends on Facebook. Not your friends in the dorm or in your frat or your sorority. I'm not asking about them. Godly, what are godly believers? People that love you enough to tell you what you may not wanna hear. Those are godly people. They're not gonna agree just because I said it. They're gonna say, Mike, I don't know, man. Is that a good call? Is that right? Well, Mike, how do I meet them? Small groups. The greatest way you can meet them. We have WAVE here for college students. We have HSM for high school students. 678 for middle school students. We have small groups for adults. We have couples groups, we have men's groups, women's groups. Man, so many times I got a text this morning from a local leader who said, man, I'm not connected in a group and I need godly wisdom as I help lead in this community. Yes, I do. I don't make decisions by myself. I put godly people around me because here's what I've learned. Every day I live, the stakes of life get higher. I started in North Star. We were here. I was 28. 
I was a child. Y'all caused all my gray hair. I, I had no gray hair when North Star started. 23, I'm 51 now. You know that the stakes are higher now than they were 23 years ago? I better be walking with the Lord. I better have godly people around me. Why? Because there's more riding on it. There's more riding on it. What are godly believers saying to me? Look at Proverbs 19, 20. Get all the advice and instruction you can so you'll be wise the rest of your life. Do not insulate your life. Man, let people, godly people, speak that love you. A person doesn't love you if they tell you what you want to hear. They only love you. How many of y'all have ever had a friend tell you hard stuff before? Raise your hand. And you're ticked off in the moment. I'm ticked. Right? I am ticked. I mean, I have the Holy Spirit living in me, and then Ann Lynch, my mother, lived for a long time too. All right, and she provided the role of the Holy Spirit to convict, convict and counsel and do all those things. But man, there's times I've had friends in my life say something that hurt my feelings. But it was what I needed to hear. What are godly believers telling you? John said, dear friends, don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must prove them or test them. Does their life, I am not gonna take Biblical advice from somebody who's not walking with the Lord, right? So when I get to the end of all this and I go, all right, Monica, I got a massive decision I gotta make. What are some proofs I can put it through? I'll give you a couple. These are free. They won't pop up on the screen, but I think, I think they, they were helpful to me as I grew up. Number one, will this decision honor or dishonor God? If I make this decision, will it honor the Lord or dishonor the Lord? That's a question I gotta ask. All right, let's just be honest. Everybody look at me. We know. We just don't wanna know. Is what I'm about to do honoring or dishonoring to the Lord? Is this decision loving? Does it prove love to the people around me, the people closest to me? This was, this was my number one grid for all you college guys out here when I was in high school and college. In 20 years, will I be glad I made this decision? Not right now. We can, that's easy. 20 years from now, will I be glad I made this decision? You ever been buying a car? And they're like, you know, if you walk out that door, this deal's gone. Right? They want to pressure you because we make, we make decisions sometimes under pressure we would not make rationally if we could step away from it. 20 years from now, will I want all of you to know about the decision I just made? Will this decision help or hurt my witness for Christ? Will God forgive it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But can it hurt my witness? You better believe it. See, you may not think about this. I think about this all the time. Do you know that when I make a decision, I've got to think about you? Because my job is your shepherd. My decisions affect you. Haven't we watched that in the news? What separates me from a pastor sewing somewhere that fell or did something crazy? One decision. The only thing. They're no better or worse than me. One decision. Will this decision affect or hurt my witness for Christ? 
Does it line up with scripture? I had a guy sit in my office one time. True story. He said, I want to talk to you about my marriage. Great. Comes in, he sits down, sitting right across from me. And he said, Mike, I believe God's brought another woman into my life. And I'm like, okay. I thought we were talking about your marriage. Well, we are. I got to dissolve that because I believe God's brought a new person. I said, somebody brought a new person in, but I can promise you it was not God. And do you know that he got up and said, man, I, I hear you, but I don't want to hear that. And he walked out. I have never met a person in 29 years of ministry that ever sought God's word, sought the counsel of others, prayed for the wisest decision, that lived a life of regrets. But I've met with a lot of people who didn't do any of that, and they regretted it every day. In light of my past and the future I have, is this wise? Hey, man, listen, 400 milliseconds to side on that fastball. 400 milliseconds. Is it 10 miles an hour slower? Is it coming in quick? Boy, decisions get thrown your way every day. You don't have time to call me. You don't have time to say, hey, let me, let me take a break from this businessman. Call Mike and get some wisdom. How do you make decisions? You walk closely with him. And when you do, he gives you exactly what you need. Would you pray with me? Boy, right where you're seated today, would you just talk to him and say, God, I want to hear from you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. And I want to hear you. Would you just talk to him right where you are? In that same attitude of prayer, God said to the psalmist, be still and know that I'm God. I feel like today was one of those days where God said, would you just sit still for a minute? Kind of like a parent telling their five-year-old, hey, just, just be still for a minute, listen to me. God says, be still and know that I'm God because what we believe and know about God affects how we live. That verse ends by saying, be still and know that I'm God and I will be exalted among the nations. So you, when you and I make decisions and life choices based on who God really is and based on the truth of God, why he's exalted in us, which like Mike said, that means if I'm making godly decisions, like my home's a better place and if I'm making godly decisions, your workplace is a better place. And if you're making godly decisions, your roommates are better off and your teammates are better off because you're making godly decisions. Like, could we let that be our prayer today, God? We confess, you're God. And you're all knowing, you're wise. You know the truth, you are the truth. You pray, God, I want to be open to your spirit telling me, directing me and what's good and what's best. Do you ask God to help you recognize deception? God, Spirit of God, help us recognize where we're buying the lies. 
God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So we always want to give you a, a question to continue the conversation of what we've been talking about today. And as Mike shared today, I thought about the different ways practically. I think of Steve Roach who said earlier this week, you can apply this passage in so many different areas of your life. And some of you can apply it this way. There's been times in your life where you know Satan lied to you about something. He tricked you. He just outright, he's like, oh, this looks good. And you went, and it was Satan, 100%. He lied to you and you bought it. Some of you have had other people in your lives, business partners. I trusted that guy and I lost everything because I trusted a guy who lied to me. So you've been in relationships where somebody's deceived you and they misled you and you didn't see it coming. Some of you who know my story know that when I look back on my life and go, where did I blow up? Where, did I, where have I missed it most? Where did I blow up the most? It was really probably through self-deception. <laughs> wasn't Satan, it wasn't somebody else. It was the Spirit of God going, Larry, y'all be doing this. And my flesh and me going, I think I'm gonna do this. <laughs> so many different ways you can be deceived. So our, our question for you today as you leave, drive home, sit in your living room, is this, where am I most likely to be deceived? Here's, here's a thought. The people you're probably sitting closest to right now are some of the best people to protect you from deception. So if you guys can take another step in your relationship a little bit deeper and be honest for a minute and go, here's where I think I might be most vulnerable. And just share it. And then do this. Pray for each other. <laughs> hey guys, it's weird. You don't have doctor's degrees and things like that in theology, but I'm telling you, one of the things if you're married in a relationship that she would love most is for you just to pray for her and pray together. Get it wrong, just botch it up, you know, use all sorts of, just God, help us not be deceived. God, help us not buy the lie. I really think if you'll do that little thing, here's what I think I might be, I'm not sure, I need some help. Would you pray for me? Can we pray for each other? And let that be how you guys continue the conversation. I, I will share this with you. One of the things I use in illustration today is I dress like Mike so I can trick you, right? We both got on this <laughs> Mine's the one that's unzipped. That's how you know it's like, no, seriously, it's an honor every time you guys step in this room, every time you tune in, the whole team, a lot of people are behind what you see here on Sundays. We don't take it for granted and we try not to waste your time. I pray you feel like today we've been a good steward of your time and respected you and honored you with a word from God. Thanks for being here. Have a great, great week.